Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Welcome in to edition number two, episode number two. How are we going to talk about this episode, episodic that we're doing here? FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Ryan Tutel alongside Colton Uwanez talking about the FCS football subdivision of college football uh, against the spread to give you some names, some numbers, and uh, some gaming here. Great to be with you once again. Uh, last week was a lot of fun. I'm happy to do this again, episode number two. Uh, today, we uh, have a couple of guests for you. Our first ever guest on the podcast going to come in. Sam Herter from Hero Sports. He covers the FCS nationally for Hero. He's going to talk to us specifically about the North Dakota State-Illinois State football game, a top 10 matchup in the nation, uh, an NDSU, a 14 and a half point favorite in that game, so he'll do that. And then Josh Criswell, who's the sports editor at the Huntsville Item, is going to talk uh, to us about Sam Houston State versus Stephen Stephen F. Austin. So rivalry game, a rivalry game down there, Texas, Texas game. So we will look forward to having those guys on. Coulter, how you doing, my man? Good to see you. I uh, I love Sam Houston State and Stephen F. Austin's football programs. I love their bands, and they probably are ranked number one and two in the towns I'd least like to live in in all of America. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to anybody out there listening, but uh, if you love it, I'm glad you do. Josh grinding it out in Huntsville. That's, that's yeah. right. Uh, let's take a look, uh, Coulter, at the top ten in the nation, how they did last week, the movement that we've seen uh, in the uh, FCS. North Dakota State, top three, stay the same. North Dakota State, one. James Madison, two. South Dakota State, three. And uh, they were all winners last week. Weber State moves up one spot uh, to number four, the spot that was vacated by UC Davis after they got beat down by the Montana Grizzlies on Saturday. Villanova is at five. They are 5-0. and oh. Uh, and they are uh, moving up quickly in this uh, in this poll. Uh, Colt are getting a lot of recognition uh, across the country. That really good Villanova team. They're followed by Montana State, who had the big comeback victory versus Northern Arizona. Kennesaw State beat Reiner 
expected. Uh, actually, 31-7, not even as big a victory as we thought. I don't think they covered a 32-point spread last week. They win uh, by only 25 or 24, whatever that is. I can't do subtraction like that. Montana, they leap up in the polls. They move up uh, from 18-8 to eight after they had that resounding victory, 45-20 over UC Davis. Towson, they lost at Florida. Mm, understandable, thirty-eight nothing in that game. They remain at number, or they drop one spot in the poll, or move up. Excuse me, one spot in the poll to number nine, even though they lost. And Illinois State, uh, they had a bye last week. They are at number ten. They move up because of some guys, some teams dropping out. They're number ten, and again facing NDSU. North Dakota State, South Dakota State play the same team. BYE, pretty easy to win that one. It's interesting yeah. to see in this four, in this twelve-game schedule how some teams elected to not necessarily upload and front load with FBS opponents. So neither North Dakota State or South Dakota State played a game a week ago. As far as the way I voted in this week's top 10, I, I voted 1, 2, and 3 exactly as it is. I voted 4 exactly how it is. I had Montana State at 5. I had Montana at 6. I had Weber State at 7. Uh, then I had Towson at 8. Uh, and I did not have Kennesaw State in my top 10 the reason being just the strength of schedule. Kennesaw State right now is 4-1, and one, but they've beaten Reinhardt, which I don't really even know where that school is, and they beat another team called Point. Never even heard of it until they played Kennesaw State. So it's definitely not been a powerhouse schedule for the Owls yet, but we know they're a program that has been on the rise since bringing football back. But when you look at this top 10, you have – uh, a whole bunch of teams with losses. The only two undefeated teams, North Dakota State and Villanova. Villanova has the most impressive FCS resume with wins over Towson, as well as Maine, who was number 12 last week, number 20 this week. But Towson is the only team in this top 10 that has an FCS loss. That loss to Villanova. Other than that, you look at the other losses, You know, James Madison lost an FBS game. South Dakota State lost an FBS Everybody. game. Everybody. Every Everybody loss did. on here Every is to an FBS team. Every loss to an FBS team, and a lot of them to Power 5 teams, like Towson's loss last week to Florida. So the... Uh, the FBS or the FCS has been good so far against like opponents, and uh, then you rounded out with Illinois State number ten. They also had a bye last week, so we got two fresh teams: North Dakota State, Illinois State, to start out Missouri Valley Football Conference play. And now, like you said, that's probably the game of the week. But also, first time since October 2014, both Montana, Montana State, been in the top ten in the polls simultaneously. And it's the first time for the Grizz period since 2016 so it's been a long time coming and for Montana State except for these last two weeks their first time since 2015 as well so it's been a long time coming for both these programs but now they're back at least for the moment in the place that we both agree that they rightfully belong. Uh, you mentioned about the FBS teams that represents almost all of these losses in the top 10. There's only two teams that are, have a perfect record right now. That's North Dakota State at 5-0 and and Villanova. Excuse me, North Dakota State at 4-0 and Villanova at 5-0. and But we don't care about that on FCS Speculators. We only care about ATS against the spread. How do these teams do against the spread? Well, guess what? There's a couple, and in fact, most of the top 10 doing very well. Villanova. 5-0 and against the spread with that 5-0 and record. So they are covering yep. all over yep. the place. Uh, Weber State, they're 2-2, two and two, but they are 4-0 and against the number, uh, the Weber State Wildcats. And James Madison, 4-0-1. Oh uh, so they are also undefeated, one push uh, in there. Beyond that, everybody else is – oh, Montana also, by the way, 4-1 and against the spread uh, on the season. So they've been very good against the number. North Dakota State, just 2-2 two and two against the spread. And uh, I don't know, I mean, not to say that anything's crazy, 
crumbling or anything like that against North Dakota State. They're obviously uh, still the number one team in the nation, and I think the team that that is going to they're going to be there until they're not, as they say, right, sure. Coulter. But maybe not as dominant here in the early going of the this uh, this year with a new head coach and, and a bunch of graduated people as before, but nonetheless still dominant and uh, and and very very good. The only team that has a losing record against the spread in the top ten is Illinois State. They are one two and one against the number. Everybody else is at least 500, at least even uh, in this top 10. Illinois State's sort of a mysterious team. They've been getting a lot of love in the polls for really no good reason at all. I mean, they they were in the game early uh, against Northern Illinois in their FBS matchup to to open up the season. and uh, But then since then, I mean, they lose that game 24-10. They beat Moorhead State, a Division II team, 42-14. They beat Eastern Illinois twenty-one to three, and then they beat Northern Arizona fourteen or forty to twenty-seven. Excuse me, but the only game that they covered the spread in the is that Northern Arizona game, and we're still not sure what Northern Arizona is going to become either. So Illinois State will find out this week if that's an inflated right. ranking or not. But the fact that they're one, two, and one against the spread. It's interesting that you could be three and one and have your only cover against maybe actually your only quality opponent other right. than your FBS team. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, I failed to mention too. Montana State is four and one against the spread as well. They're four and one uh, on their record and four and one against the spread. So they've been very very good uh, against the number as well. Uh, we bring in now our producer David Graff. He's going to help us out. He's been helping us out, putting all this stuff together for us, uh, and he's going to go through how we did last week. My understanding is. I don't even know what our official records were last week. He's going to tell us how we did last week, but I think we did okay. David, hello, and uh, how how were we? Y'all did pretty well, uh, especially if you got Cal Poly at plus one and a half. They ended up closing at minus three and a half, so they didn't cover against Southern Utah. I just want to go along with Illinois State. Good teams win, great teams cover. There you go. That's a betting man's speech right there. Let's run down how you guys did last week. First game, Idaho at Northern Colorado. You guys were all over Idaho. Yeah. We, and you were all over the under. You're like, how is how is Northern Colorado gonna score? So probably like I don't know what happened, but Northern Colorado upset Idaho and the What game happened went, was the Petrinos happened. And the game went over. So that was a uh, piss poor start this is so indicative of gambling though because there's no one in their right mind that would have picked northern colorado to do anything ever ever. they were last in the country in scoring offense and scoring defense going into last week i mean let's be honest here if idaho had any money paul petrino probably got fired right after the game but he didn't i was on northern colorado but (laughs) that's okay i mean they have the highest ranked quarterback in terms of nfl draft stock at the fcs level just so you know, going forward. Northern Colorado, that is, in Jacob. Yes. Nitt. All right. All right. Yes. Move on. Moving on. You got lucky with Montana State bailing themselves out. They covered the 11.5 point spread against Northern Arizona. You also had the over. So, Northern Arizona jumping out to that huge lead in Montana State coming back. Won you two bets twofold. Therefore, you, you're you 2 and 2 at this point. Then Coulter was all over Montana. Yep. Like, all over him. I think he would have bet his mortgage if <laughs> if he could have if he could have found the right book. Especially at plus two ten, he could have paid off my student loans. You guys were both over uh, over on that game too. Ryan with a loser against 
minus seven I, UC Davis. I did take UC Davis. If you listened to episode one, it was a tepid endorsement, uh, but I did take UC Davis, and I was proven very wrong, and congratulations to Montana. Okay. Then you guys were all over Portland State, mm. plus four, loving them, especially after Bruce Barnum came on the show. We were influenced by Dots Pretzels, man. That's the, that's it with Bruce Barnum. If you haven't heard the interview that we did on our ESPN radio show, you can check it out, out on the Two Tell Nuanas podcast with Bruce Barnum from last week. It is, uh, well, one of my favorite interviews, top three all time that I've ever done. This is why betting on the FCS is so hard because Matt Struck, Idaho State's quarterback, gets destroyed on a hit against Utah. That Then that guy gets thrown out for targeting. Matt Struck doesn't come back. There's no status update on Matt Struck. We think he might be dead. He might not come back the re- for the rest of the season, or no one has any status update on him whatsoever. Gunnar Amos finishes the game against Utah, and then he plays the entire game against Northern Iowa. He's not good. He throws three interceptions. Then surprisingly, Matt Strzok comes out, and he's back. And all of a sudden, he throws six touchdowns. He throws for 343 yards against Portland State. On 14 completions. And they were just gashing Portland yes. State's man-to-man coverage. Yes. And Matt Strzok played so well that Gunnar Amos quit the team this week. Retired. He straight left the program for quote-unquote personal reasons, but Matt Strzok appears to be a real deal guy, and what a crazy story. We're going to get in more to these spreads, but Matt Strzok went to a junior college where he didn't play because he was behind two five-star guys. Then he went to Idaho State and redshirted last year behind Tanner Guller. So the guy hasn't thrown a college pass until this year. He's been playing college football for three years as a transfer brought in to start, and then now he's ripping it up. The two games he's played in total – he threw for 400 and something yards and four touchdowns against Western Colorado. Okay, you should. And then he threw for 343 yards and and six more touchdowns against Portland State. So uh, he's lighting it up. But that was definitely a eye-opener. And I think that you and I would both agree now you can't doubt the Bengals uh, going forward here. Idaho State at Montana this week. We'll get more into that game. But it's going to be a fun one to watch him uh, first person. Ryan was all over the over. That was his lock of the week. And that one hit very easily. Idaho State went over alone with 51 then the next game the next game now wait if i'm not mistaken coulter's pick of cal poly to cover was his lock of the week no his lock of the week was portland state plus four. Oh, excuse me portland state yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah yeah right i'm looking at the wrong one good i got my lock you got you didn't get your lock i feel very good about this coulter all right next cal poly so cal poly is the game that i referenced at the top they were when we when we produced this podcast, they were plus one and a half. Both both Ryan and Coulter were all over plus one and a half. They're also all over the over. Cal Poly closed at minus three and a half. So depending upon what number you got, you may or may not have may or may not have gotten a win there. These guys did. Then the next game, Weber State. They really liked Weber State minus one and a half. They stayed at that number. And they they dominated Northern Iowa 29-17, so that's a dub for both guys. They also were both on the under, and uh, it went over 35. I don't – I got to really listen to this back. I don't believe I was on the under on the 35 points. I was. Coulter was on the under, and I said it's going to be low scoring, but 35 is like so low. I'm gonna check you. I'm gonna check you on this one, David. We're gonna go back and re-listen. Thank God it's uh, exists in perpetuity on the internet. Uh, I'll just say this: Ryan said that there were not going to be many points scored. That is, and a fact. I counted that as a pick for the under. Okay. <laughs> so he didn't actually provide a pick. But okay. I, I'm picking I'll be, for I'll him. be. I'll be more specific this week. All right. Then the last, the last game in the Big Sky, Eastern Washington minus eight and a half. Both guys were on that. 
They were both on the over as well. The total fell short by eight points, but they mm. still finished the week eight and six. Pretty good. Here's the thing, too, and I would I would like to know how we did uh, just in picking the games against the spread because I do think the over under is one that I am okay a, a little totally ignoring totals. Yeah, ignoring, ignoring totals. totals here. What, we, what did we do? Let's 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 quick run the math. We got. Ryan, who went four and three, and Coulter, who went five and two. Five and two, four and five. And, so Coulter did better than I did by one game in the Big Sky last week. Uh, very good. All right, uh, David, thank you very much. Excellent work. Uh, let's take a look going forward at the. Then Big we Sky. have the other games. Oh, you want to pick the other games? You want to tell them? Okay, quickly. In tell their them other what we FC, did. in their in their other picks on the FCS, they went two and one, and then on the FBS, they went two and one as well. Ooh, so it's pretty solid. Okay, so four and two, pretty solid. Four and two of the FBS national level non Big Sky, and combined with the FBS games that we picked, that is sharp level. That is sharp level. Thank you very much, David. I feel very good about this. It needs to be sharp level. It is, after all, a betting podcast. Thank you, David. Okay, let's jump in, Coulter, to this week's Big Sky Conference matchups against the spread. Let's start with the uh, UC Davis Aggies. They dropped to number 12 in the national poll after uh, losing again uh, handily at the hands of the University of Montana Grizzlies. They are on the road at North Dakota. And again, we should set up for the people, Coulter, the North Dakota situation. I mean, people kind of understand, I think, that North Dakota is playing a full Big Sky Conference schedule in terms of the teams they're playing, the way the, 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 the schedule actually sets up. It is a non-conference game for North Dakota who is playing as an FCS independent this season and all of the Big Sky teams that play North Dakota though, it is a conference game for them because North Dakota is migrating uh, to the Missouri Valley Conference for Football Summit for Basketball but North Dakota, for football they, they, they set these schedules like three, four, even five years in advance. So you can't just go, oh, okay, we're out and jump over. You got to, yeah, there, there's a process of that. And this is the last year of that process for the Fighting Hawks. Here's the way I think about it. And I think this is the way that everybody out there, especially people that are betting, should think about it. And people that just follow the Big Sky Conference and the FCS at large. North Dakota State's not a Big Sky Conference team this year, but they are. Because North Dakota State's played eight consecutive Big Sky Conference games. If they go out and win six of those Big Sky Conference games, they will take a playoff spot from a Big Sky team. So because they're competing against the Big Sky, and if they make the playoffs, they will almost certainly take a slot from a Big Sky team. Just consider them a Big Sky team, even though they can't win the league title. They're competing with Big Sky teams, and they're going to take a playoff spot from a Big Sky team if it comes down to that. The only thing that they don't have is an auto bid. But if it right. came to the point that they win or co-win the Big Sky Conference, right. it won't matter. That's what I'm saying. If right. they're if they're an eight or nine win team with six Big Sky or six wins against Big Sky Conference teams, they're going to go to the playoffs. Uh, UC Davis Coulter uh, at North Dakota. It's it's a tough place to get to, especially from Gosh dang da- Davis. I mean, this has to be one of the longest in conference travels that that any team in the nation, any level, has to make. I mean, this is unreal to get from Davis to Grand Forks. I'm sure that Dan Hawkins and Tim Plow and the rest of the coaching staff down there at Davis is just thrilled that they have to go to Fargo. Back home, get whooped by the Grizz, and go back to Grand Forks. Right, right. It's <laughs> in the span of you, you know, you probably have to fly, fly into Fargo twice because a lot of times you can't fly into Grand Forks. I was gonna, this how, time of how year, how far apart are they? Eighty miles, about okay. 80, 85 miles, so about an hour drive. But the two times I've gone to Grand Forks, I've had to fly into Fargo and then drive down. Right, but. 
We're not quite to the point. I mean, actually, I don't know. It, it could be negative a million in Grand Forks today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sometimes I, I keep Grand Forks on my weather app just to make myself feel better about Montana. Just the situation you look at you're Missoula, in. Missoula, <laughs> you're like, oh, negative. You look at Missoula, you're like, oh, negative four. Oh, well, it's negative 10 in Grand Forks today, and it's windy, and there's no mountains where you can ski. So we're still living better. It's okay. 1,762 miles if you're driving it, uh, but nonetheless, a long haul from Davis to Grand Forks. Uh, UC Davis, a four. Four and a half point favorite. Uh, it's an interesting line. It's amazing the hits UC Davis has taken. They were a huge dog at North Dakota State, and they played well and covered handily. Yeah, and then they were favorites against Montana, and they got dump trucked. And then now here we are against a, I would say above average, but by no means elite North Dakota team. It's an interesting line. I um, I'm still high on UC Davis, and. The, the the as I said, I think Saturday's game was a lot bigger commentary on the University of Montana than it sure. was on UC Davis, and so I the the needle has gone. The, the, the uh, you know I was high on Montana. It's really high for the Grizzlies right now uh, for me. It's easy uh, for that to happen. It is. It, it. I mean, it's easy, but it's what has the past taught you? Obviously, nothing. Because the last three years they've been four and one, and they missed the playoffs all three years. If you're I'm gonna, just telling if you. you're going to tell me that this four and one is the same as either of those, though, it's I mean, not. we were singing and dancing and praising Montana after what we thought was a great win over Sac State this exact same time last okay. year. Sac State went zero and seven in the Big Sky Conference, and Montana completely folded down the stretch. And there, this is this is the mystery of the Big Sky because UC Davis. Yep. For all the hype and all the good rankings, they 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 could be a 500 conference team and out of the top 25 by the time it's all. Well, and done. that's the other thing is that you talk about pure matchups. I was wondering so much how does Montana going to put pressure on Jake Mayer? They did it in a very exotic fashion that I didn't expect, and it was worked very very well. A bunch now of that, young kids with speed and exactly. Burst. And yeah. now they're going to go to the Alaris Center, and what does North Dakota do? Get they blitz, you. blitz, 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 blitz. They run a 3-4, but they straight up blitz at least one of their backers on every single play. They got run blitzes. They got zone blitzes. They got straight up bring the house blitzes. They blitz from all angles. It leaves them vulnerable for big plays. We've seen them get shredded. We think about both Montana and Montana State have just annihilated North Dakota in games yeah. just, just in the last couple of years. But yeah. also that if they're getting home, though, they can avalanche you too. So I do think that's probably one of the reasons why this spread, four-and-a-half-point favorites for UC Davis, is a little bit smaller than maybe you'd expect when you're talking about number 12 team in the country versus an unranked UND. I am taking UC Davis to cover this thing, even though they're a road favorite. Tough to do. Uh, but they played well in North Dakota a week ago, and they need this, Coulter. I mean, I think that, that you know, you can – all the philosophy that Dan Hawkins wants to have and all that, you know, from a football standpoint, this is a huge game for UC Davis. Huge. And uh, I think they need to sort of recircle the wagons, as it were, after uh, licking their wounds from that Grizzly football game. So this is a big game for them. I expect them to play well. And, again, I think North Dakota is, uh, you know, a good team. There's still a little bit of a mystery to me. But four and a half points against a a still very potent and a very solid, sound UC Davis team uh, is is uh, a number that I'm willing to take uh, and to lay those points down. So four and a half points. Give me UC Davis. Who do you got? We we always talk about too how important it is in these like Big Sky Missouri Valley crossover games. Like that series just finished up, 
it, this is an important game for the league for UC Davis to win it because I think it's important for almost every team in the league to beat North Dakota so that they don't lose a playoff spot. Because even if North Dakota does claim, quote-unquote, one of the Big Sky's playoff spots, it's not a Big Sky team going right. in the league. It hurts the reputation of the league. Then you also look at Montana. If Say say North Dakota just just boat races UC Davis. Yeah. It makes Montana's win not look as good. Right, right. Right? Right. But if, but if UC Davis goes out and just thrashes North Dakota – Wow, now the Grizz win looks even better. So, uh, you know, it is it's an interesting situation right now that UC Davis has got because they got a little bit of a gauntlet here. They got to go to Grand Forks coming off that loss, and then next week they host Cal Poly, and then in two weeks after that they play Weber State, and so they have kind of boom, 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 boom. Some of the most physical teams in the conference that they're going to play all in a row, and so yep. we'll see how they can handle it. All that said, I do think that what we've seen is that the North Dakota defense is feast or famine. When they're rolling, they can pile drive you. When they're not. They play so much man on the outside, and I just I have a feeling that Jake Mayer is going to be able to pick up the pressures and pick them apart. I think Tim Plow will have a great plan, offensive coordinator at UC Davis. I, I got UC Davis to cover as well. The number, the total on this thing is 50.5 points. If I'm taking UC Davis to cover a, a, a spread that they're favored in with that offense, I'm taking the over uh, at 50.5. Yeah, you know, I'm taking the over as well. I think that I'd probably put the over at about 55, 56. Yeah. I think about 31, 24 is about where we're at, maybe with this one, or maybe 35, 20, whatever it might be. But I think I'm taking the over as well. The game, if you're looking for it, is on Pluto Television and also available on North Dakota's website. Moving on, North Northern Colorado getting their huge win, big win for the Bears over Idaho last week. Good gracious, uh, Northern Colorado at Northern Arizona. Uh, Case Cookus and uh, Jacob Nip, a battle of two of the top quarterbacks in the Big Sky Conference. Totally, but that's about where the similarities end between these two teams in a lot in a lot of respects. Again, Northern Colorado last week, notwithstanding, has been horrendous defensively all year. It, it, the parallels between Case Cookus and Jacob Nip are actually startling. Yeah, because they both suffered season-ending the same season-ending injury multiple times in their careers. They both gotten sacked from the side where you the Aaron Rodgers. What happened yep. to Aaron Rodgers? Yep. Where you land and you hurt your clavicle, sprain your AC joint, whatever it is, right there. But it's from landing. Why does on it got to be the Aaron Rodgers? It can't be the Nick Foles. <laughs> Regardless, it's a common injury for quarterbacks. For but sure. these guys have both suffered it twice in their careers. As David, our producer, was saying earlier, these are the two highly rated. NFL prospects for quarterbacks in the Big Sky Conference. Right. Can you stay upright? And and and, and, and in the FCS as well. Yeah, the FCS. And the other thing, but the other thing that's the parallel, which is unfortunate for these two young men, is they both walked onto campus, started right away, both showed flashes. Northern Colorado had a winning record when Jacob Nip was a redshirt freshman, which is their only second winning record as a Division One member. Northern Arizona went all the way down the brink, and if they wouldn't have blown a shootout in the final game of the year, they would have made the playoffs in Case Cookus's freshman year. Their careers have been wasted since then. Yeah. Part of that's been their injuries, but also these are both incredibly talented guys who haven't experienced winning a lot. This is uh, They're the Felix Hernandezes of their uh, respective universities. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you mentioned the Idaho rally last week. I mean, anybody in their right mind was picking Idaho to win that game. Everybody was picking Idaho against the spread. At Northern Colorado was 0-4. They were averaging 10 points per game and giving up almost 50. So it was almost the, one of the most safe bets on the board. And then we saw... The Big Sky Conference on full display and just the way that Idaho has the penchant for implosion on full display as well. But when it comes to this game, I think this is my lock of the week. By the way, NAU minus 12.5. So the Lumberjacks at home in Flagstaff, 12.5 point favorites. You love the Lumberjacks. Oh, this is my lock of the week. I think that there's no feasible way that Northern Colorado doesn't lose this game by two touchdowns or more. Going to Flag, going to one of the most bizarre arenas in the country. Not only is it 7,200 feet, but it's cavernous, it's spacious, 
strange things happen in Flagstaff. If you've ever been there, it's like standing on Route 66, but with Area 51 right behind you. It's just a strange, strange place, and strange things always happen at the Walk-Up Sky Dome. I just think that coming off of the rally that they had last week, Northern Colorado, and also NAU coming off of the implosion that they had last week against Montana State, and the fact that you're playing this game in Flagstaff, I got Northern Arizona to cover this thing Easily. Easily. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to take Northern Arizona to cover. The caveat uh, is, you know, Northern Colorado, because of the win, uh, you know, you just feel much better about yourself and the whole thing. When you haven't won a game yet, you finally get a win. It turns out to be a conference victory. Hell, they're the number five team right now by record in the Big Sky Conference, you know, and they're the fifth ranked team. So I I, I think that that, you know, certainly gives them a boost. But Northern Arizona is a better football team. Yep. I do like Chris Ball, all things considered. You yep. know, so far he's obviously just in his first year, but you, you gotta you gotta be all in on Case Cookus and 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 that team. And also watching them last week against the Cats, like you can see the danger that they present. And they're a better football team at home, even though it's the biggest number in the Big Sky this week, twelve and a half points. Northern Colorado uh, was a beneficiary of Idaho, not so much anything else. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you uh, on this. I'm not saying it's my lock of the week, but I will take Northern Arizona minus twelve and a half. The total on this fifty-seven and a half. I probably take the under on it. I agree because Northern Colorado has struggled to score so right. much. So you're talking about a huge point total, presuming right. that that you know that maybe Northern Colorado gets seventeen right. on the board or something. That's what I'm saying. Like if if it's forty-two fourteen or forty-nine seven. I mean, the 49-17 would maybe get you there. 42-17 is not going to get you there. 42-17 would barely get you there. 42-14 is not going to get you there. It's all about how much Northern Colorado is going to score. Because I think, I mean, NAU is averaging in the high 30 points per game. So I think that uh, NAU will get close to, if not, score 40. NAU coming in right now, 38.2 points per game. Well, and you see it last week too, Coulter. Idaho State. Scores forty two points, forty one in the first forty one. Yeah. yeah, in the second quarter they're at forty one. They finished the game with fifty or something 51, like that. Yeah, fifty one, so twenty four. When teams, even when they are blowing another team out, they then now the subs come in. Now the you know the dogs get right. called off, and you just invariably like it's rare to see a fifty burger to say nothing of a sixty burger. Right, unless I was playing Idaho State. Right. And Fer- <laughs> Mike Ferrier just keeps throwing deep so, shots. Now forget it. Uh, Tanner Guller's got six touchdowns. Let's go throw two more. In Let's the see if we quarter. can get. Why two. not? Uh, so I, I I would take the under on this one uh so we're both again we're both in agreement northern arizona minus 12 and a half and uh and the under uh this game available by the way on phoenix cw nau television and uh also on pluto sports one of the great guys to listen to in all the league mitch Drummond. he was sitting in the box next to me at bobcat stadium shout out mitch i could hear him like i was had the radio headphones in my ear he was on the (laughs) other side of the glass and he's going so crazy he is a wonderful play-by-play guy he goes hard he's uh really fun and uh and he's the right man in the right spot there for the uh uh portland state colter coming off a a very disappointing outing uh, uh last week against idaho state they are a nine and a half point home favorite their first home game even though as we know they are a uh they're 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 a people of no nation, the Portland yep. State Vikings. There's not really a home field. Are they playing this at Hills? Uh, what's it, Hillsboro High School, right? I believe that, they are. Uh, so they, the PNC Park is basically uh, no longer PNG or whatever it is. They get it about one time a year, but they always get 
86 in favor of women's the Portland Timbers soccer. or the professional side, yeah. the women's professional team. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a a weird situation. It is Hillsborough Stadium for the Portland State Vikings hosting Southern Utah. Well. Now Southern Utah lost at home last week, but it was a three point game to a to what we think is a, a decent Cal Poly yeah. team. Always a weird team to play. This is a big number, a nine and a half point favorite for Portland State against Southern Utah. Now. Southern Utah is a bottom third, probably Big Sky Conference team, but we never know at this time of year. And I, I was surprised that the number was nine and a half points in favor of the Vikings on this one. I'm not. Southern Utah's bad. Southern Utah, okay. since they won the 2017 title, they've only won two games, and one of them was a Division II game. They're two and 16 over their last 18 games. That game last week, you talk about the elements, you don't want to make excuses, but Jeff Choate, as he's preparing for Cal Poly this week, watched the Southern Utah game last week. He said you cannot watch the tape because the camera is shaking so bad because the wind is blowing so hard. And he said, well, okay, but Cal Poly only runs the triple option. Well, that's true, but Jalen Hamler now is a different factor to the Cal Poly offense. Cal Poly, instead of rushing for 400 yards a game and throwing for 20, now they're rushing for 250 and trying to throw for 175. So not being able to throw at all really, I think, kept the point total down. Yeah. Um, the uh, the thing, though, too, to me, I mean, okay, Southern Utah, right, not great. It's not clear that Portland State is any good, though, either. I mean, I like yeah, what they did in the non-conference, but that, that was that was terrible. There, that was a terrible outing against Idaho State. It was. Pure, I, think it was I, think, I think we also underestimated Idaho State, especially Maybe. at home on their mm-hmm. turf. I mean, when and the thing, like Bobby Houck said, he said it multiple times, and this is something you got to understand about Idaho State's offense. He said, when they get rolling, they light people up, and that's exactly what it is because you have to get rolling, though. It's a rhythm-based offense. When Ty Flanagan's gashing you in the middle – there's a lot of similar elements to what Bob Stitt used to run. They just have so much more diversity in their concepts on the outside. But when you're getting gashed up the middle, and then all of a sudden you take a deep shot, and so much of it's matchups too. If you play man coverage like Portland State does, long day if you're playing Idaho State. I just think that Southern Utah is, is just – I'm not picking Southern Utah to win another game until they show me they can win another game. They're, they're just really bad since the end of last year. Their talent has run almost completely dry. I think Portland State's defense is better than you think. Uh Last week, obviously not a good display. And sometimes those games can spiral out of control, too. You give them a pick six, you have a fumble that's returned almost for a touchdown, you get a score right there, too. That's how you, it gets completely avalanched on you. When you looked at the yardages, it was almost dead even between mm-hmm. Portland State and Idaho State last week. They just got the ball got rolled out of control on them. I do think the Vikings are the better team. I'm picking the Vikings to cover uh, minus 9.5. If this spread was 10.5, I would probably take Southern Utah. But mm-hmm. at 9.5 yeah. points, um, I am going to agree with you on Portland State. Uh, I just... Uh, this this to me is a pretty significant indictment of the Thunderbirds. This number that we have here, uh, because Portland State hasn't yet shown what they are, how good they can be, and if anything, the, the returns have been you know not all that favorable for the Vikings. But Southern Utah, like you said, I'll believe it when I see it. Probably not going to see it this week. Portland State minus nine and a half. I will uh, I will go with the Vikings to win this thing by ten. One stat check there. I actually they had their Southern Utah has two wins over the last two seasons. One against Sacramento State last October when Sac State had lost everybody. It was their first game after Kevin Thompson went down. They won that game and then they won a game in overtime versus Stephen F. Austin. Uh, over under on Southern Utah Portland State is sixty one. That's an interesting number too because I just Southern Utah against that flex defense Portland State runs. I can't imagine that they're going to be able to get much going uh, because that flex defense is so good at sh- at stuff in the run first and foremost, and Southern Utah. I mean their quarterback situation with Chris Helbig has been okay. You know, not great. 
I mean, he, he's he's thrown as many picks as he has touchdowns, and his efficiency rating is only 118. So uh, I don't know. I just don't think Southern Utah is going to be able to put that many points on the board. I do think this Portland State, what we believe to be true, is true. Portland State has one of the best defensive fronts in the conference. They just didn't get a chance to show that last week because of the matchup. But I, I think that just because I don't think Southern Utah is going to score much in this game, I'm picking the under at 61. Uh, Southern Utah has been giving up 39 points a game uh, so far this year. Portland State uh, just over 26. Uh, uh, 61's a big number. I, I, I think I'm taking the under on this one, too, with absolutely zero confidence. My anti-lock of the week. Um, that game on Pluto Television, if you're looking for it. This is an interesting game. This is a game. This is my lock of the week. Weber State is a seven-point favorite on the road at Idaho. Uh, and I am taking Weber State to win this game by 1,000 points. Uh, <laughs> and I don't care that they can't score. It does not matter to me. They will find a way. They're going to score 30 points on defense. <laughs> You know this. This smells like a like a twenty four to three Jay Hill special. Where even though they only win by twenty one points, it's no, there's no question. Uh, Weber State is just. We talk about it all the time on Two Tail Nuanas. We we've talked about it on this podcast already. You just, you can't judge Weber State based on your offensive evaluation because it just doesn't matter. So Northern they only had thirteen first downs against Northern Iowa last week and they won by two scores. Right. Because um, they're going to hit you with a big play, they're going to score on defense or on special teams, one of the two, and they're, they're not going to. They're going to give up less than they score almost every time out. Weber State is allowing sixteen and a half points per game, and they've played two FBS teams. Exactly. Um, here's the other thing, and look, when we we talk about this all this all the time, Coulter. Uh, uh, we're talking about college kids, okay? We're not going to sit here and and crush these kids, but as a matter of fact, okay, Mason Petrino against this Weber State defense is in trouble. Like he, he is, he he is actually more mobile than I think people give him credit for. Oh, he can run that, around that a little bit. That is their offense too. Is they yes. run the quarterback rollout where he's just throwing he moves those around. short passes. And and I give him credit in this respect as as the son of a football family and Paul and, and all of that. He knows football. Like he for understands sure. what's going on out there. So it's not anything like that. But he is undersized. His arm is 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 not great. Not great. And 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 that Weber State defense is they they are men. They are NFL caliber size, speed and and frankly a uh, scheme and and I think that that Mason Petrino is going to struggle mightily and it's not just him but the, the offense in general but with him running it this is a bad matchup for for Idaho uh in that respect and so I think uh Weber State covering this thing is uh is you know a done deal. That said, it should never be your lock of the week when you have a team that can beat Eastern Washington on the road or you know at home okay but beat Eastern Washington in one week and then lose to Northern Colorado the next week. Like that's a bad team to start saying, well, we know what's going to happen with because they do have talent at Idaho and they're if they if they bring it all together and they play well, they could they could conceivably, you know, cover this thing up or come close to it, but I just don't see that happening. I think that the, this this game is over early at Weber State rolls. After the Lost in Northern Colorado. Paul Petrino said it was a terrible job by me. That's where it starts. Bad job of getting us ready to go all week. Undisciplined, way too many penalties. This loss is solely on me. I made a bunch of bad calls. Those turned into unfortunate turnovers all the way around. I did a bad job. And then this week he talked about, someone asked him, how do you write the ship? And he said, we got to harness some of the magic we had against Wyoming, which was a 21-16 loss. If you're in week two of the Big Sky schedule and you're already trying to harness magic, it ain't good from an intangible standpoint. I got Weber State to cover easily as well. As far as the over-under, I think it's a pretty safe bet all year round. You're going to take the under when you're talking about Weber State. Because, again, 
Jay Hill does not care about beating you 42-3. to He is just fine beating you 21-3 to and having you know <laughs> that you weren't going to get a single yard on his defense. So uh, I'm taking the under at 47 on this one as Remarkably, well. Weaver State is 2-2 two and two, uh, against the total on the season. You would have thought they would have at least been 3-1, if not 4-0, and oh, against the over-under with the, with the way that defense goes. But they are, as we saw last week, 35 points was the over-under. It's yep. not because there's a lot of yep. points scored. It's because that number is being driven so low. 47 is, you know, a decent amount of points. I'm actually going to go the over on this one. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I I think that mark it down, David. He's taking the over on Weaver State. We'll we'll laugh at him for the rest of the season if this uh, t- if t- this doesn't come true. And if it does come true, <laughs> you are you're the betting master. Well, I'll tell you why I'm taking the over on this thing, and and it's because I think that I I honestly think that Weaver State is going to score multiple times defensively or at least come close to it and if you include i mean the the rashid shaheed in the kick game i mean they, there's there's opportunities for tons of points that are not offensive points from weber and that's how they roll they scored that's how nine non offensive touchdowns last so year. i i think that they can do it now it, it it's it's probably a fool's errand i'm going out on a limb but i'm i'm going to do it i'm taking the over uh this game available on swx uh television in idaho and also all these games are available on pluto television um Eastern Washington at Sacramento State. This is the game of the week in the Big Sky Conference. Sacramento State, Coulter, at home. A two-and-a-half point favorite over Eastern Washington. What in the wide world is going on here? Well, we get, they got a little momentum with Troy Taylor uh, coming uh, to be the head coach there. He's a popular name. Tune in to Two Tell Nuanas this week. Kevin Thompson, quarterback from Sacramento State, will be joining us. And you can also find that on the podcast, available on all your favorite podcast apps, probably the one you're listening to this FCS Speculators podcast on as well. Yep. But Kevin Thompson, he talked to us just about the enthusiasm around the program with Troy Taylor coming back. I also think that Sac State's got a little bit of a – I don't want to say inflated because they've played well, but I think people know about – their potential because they played two FBS teams that were on regional TV. Like you watch the Sac State Arizona State game because yeah. it was on TV. That's right. You watch the Sac State Fresno State game. So you like when you lose to Arizona State nineteen to six, you lose to Fresno State uh, thirty to twenty four. You're in it, or excuse me, thirty four to twenty. You were in those games, so I think you look pretty good. But here's the thing. I always remind everybody, don't be a prisoner of the moment. We've seen Sac State do great against FBS opponents forever. We've also seen them uh, put up big numbers and everything. And then as soon as anything goes awry, whether it's a chemistry thing or an injury thing or a combination of both, they never seem to be able to figure out how to put it just over the top. I know that everybody's wondering about Eastern Washington because they had the bad loss to Idaho. Last week, they did not look great offensively in a driving Snow sleet, storm. sleet, yeah. snow, whatever the bad, heck it was bad. in Cheney. Ugly. They needed six North Dakota turnovers to, to emerge with the two-score win in that one, but they got the win. I think that the thing you need to remember about Eastern Washington is they still can chuck the ball all over the place like they've always been able to. They can run the ball at a higher clip than they ever have been able to as well. They were second in the league in rushing yards per game last year. They rushed for about 275 yards per game. Sam McPherson was a first-team all-league running back. Well, now it's Antoine Custer's time to shine. He rushed for over 100 last week as well. And they took care of North Dakota on the ground. So I know everybody's sleeping on Eastern Washington, and I I do agree with your premise that you've been saying all year. I don't think Eastern is going to be as good as they have been in recent years. They're not. They, and not only are they not going to be, they are not. They are not. Period. But you also have to remember they got four starters back on the offensive line, and they got when he's hot, perhaps the most dangerous player in the entire FCS, Eric Berrier. Berrier has not gotten loose yet, and that's why. Eastern's been struggling a little bit. Teams are spying him. They're keeping him contained in the pocket. You have to figure he's going to 
find out a way to get loose somehow, some way. I know that Sac State's a nice story, and they've played well in FBS games, but I'm not giving you any credit for losses. And you beat Northern Colorado 50 to nothing. Congratulations. But they haven't actually won a game of any consequence to me. Southern Oregon and Northern Colorado are two teams you should score 127 combined points on if you're Sac State. You just should. I'm not quite there with Sac State. I'm taking Eastern Washington to cover. I'm taking Eastern Washington to win. Um, I love Kevin Thompson. I think he's phenomenal. I also love Eric Berrier. Eric Berrier played football last week in a driving sleet Armageddon-style snowstorm in the in September and is still the sixth leading passer in all of the FCS with almost 1,500 yards Okay, already this season. Yep. He is fantastic. And Eastern Washington, well, they're not the team that they've been, and they are a down team, and they're not going to win the Big Sky Conference, and, and I think that they are in but close to not being in for even a playoff berth this year. This is a pivotal game for them, right? Because they have the softest schedule among the contenders. Yes. But now Sac State looks like a more dangerous team than maybe we expected early. They got to win this one because if they do, then they can maybe get on a little bit of a roll before they come to Washington Grizzly Stadium October 26th to play Montana. We talk about this all the time about individual players. If we expect you to be great and you're not great, we think that you stink even though you're still good. And if we Definitely. expect you to be okay and you're good, we think you're the greatest thing in the world because you're better than we thought. That is what we're dealing with here. Eastern Washington right. is not as good as people thought they'd be, and therefore they aren't, they aren't any good. Well, they are good. It's the, quarter, the quarterbacks in this are the prime example of this, yes. right? You're higher on Kevin Thompson than you are on Eric Berrier right now because Thompson's been better than you thought he was going to be, and Berrier at the end of the year might have been the best offensive player in the country, and he's yeah. not that right now. It's just human nature, right? It is. And uh, and, and so I, I love Sacramento State. I love everything that's going on, and I do love Kevin Thompson straight up. I mean, not even relative to expectations. No doubt. Kevin Thompson's great. Eastern Washington's a dog against Sacramento State. You out of your mind? I'm taking Eastern Washington. <laughs> no like doubt. that's just just you have to. There's no there's there you just have to do this because they have done it. They've been the team that was they are the defending national champion runner up. I know they graduate a bunch of dudes. I know that there's, you know, a bunch of, you know, how how much of Aaron Best recruiting are we going to start seeing and is that going to be as good or not as what was before? But right now with Eric Berrier in this football team as a as an underdog against Sacramento State, I mean that is crazy to me. I'm taking Eastern Washington. The number is a big one at 60 I'm still going over. 100%. I think they're throwing this thing all over the oh, yeah. place, this, both teams. This might be 55-52. Yes, this it, is a huge game I'd probably, I'd probably take the over at 70. <laughs> I would. I probably would take the over at 70. I mean, it's at almost 70. at 70 at yep. 64. I would so, probably take it at 70. Obviously. All right, we're we're in agreement on this. This game is available on on 11 sports uh, and also CW31 in Sacramento uh, locally uh, at, uh, you know, this, this game's hosted by the Hornets. Okay, Coulter, we move into the Montana matchups. We start with the sixth-ranked team in the nation, the Montana State Bobcats, who were down 21-zip, still won the thing by two scores, and just ran themselves silly over Northern Arizona in the second half. Their quarterback situation is as bad as it possibly could have been, and it is the worst when it is thought of in the light that the only thing that they've been trying to get right for the last nine months is the quarterback situation. I mean, it's laughable, and yet it hasn't mattered. Why? Because they are so good basically everywhere else, this Montana State team, and they are. I mean, they are they are legit on the front end uh, defensively. They are legit in the run game. Their offensive line is second to none, and they have – 
the hammer while being com- severely limited right now in Troy Anderson that you can just plug in wherever and let him do anything that you need to have done. Uh, they are a six-point road favorite uh, at Cal Poly. Now, this is going to be a fist fight, man. This is oh, yeah. going to be a straight-up battle between the, th- the, the, the triple option running Cal Poly Mustangs at home and Tim Walsh and all that, and Jeff Choate, who just – is licking his chops for games like this where he can start to line his guys up and just go run people over. So Montana State, though, a six-point favorite on the road at Cal Poly. Montana State's run game offensively has been so good that Logan Jones, Lane Sumner, and Shane Perry have one scholarship between the three of them, and they've each rushed for 100 yards in a game over the last three games. Montana State's been rushing for 275 yards per game without the best running back in the league and with in Isaiah Infante and without Troy Anderson having much impact statistically on the game whatsoever. That's how good the offensive line is. That's how good the run game has been. Montana State basically took it to, to the ground last week and said, okay, we're going to play Travis Johnson at Wildcat quarterback, and we're going to run zone read until they stop it. 22 rushing plays later, they had 35 unanswered points and 244 second-half rushing yards, even though Travis Johnson told me they ran ex- the literally same play 11 plays in a row. Literally. Go up to the line, run it again. Zone read, zone read. That's how much they can gash you. That's going to give them a chance in every game. As far as just the, uh, the dynamic of this game, I think I'd take <laughs> – if you're making the analogy of a bar fight, I think I'm taking Tim Walsh in a bar fight over almost everybody in the entire yep. league except one guy. Right. The guy who wants the bar fight more than anybody, Jeff yeah. Choate. Yeah. Uh, and Choate was he, well, was... he wants the bar fight because he's got the dudes to go to the no bar doubt. fight with. Exactly. Right. And, and Choate was his uh, his maniacal self. He was not, uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm grumpy like he yeah, was two yeah. weeks ago. He was you know, all lit up. I can't wait to play Tim Walsh. We love physical matchups, blah, blah, blah. Montana State's relishing this game, I believe, and yeah, I think that they have a chance to execute a defensive scheme that maybe can keep some of their banged-up guys on the on the sideline, which I think is good. I mean, the guys that are missing, they don't need them this game. They don't need Munchie Fire, their, their star corner. They don't need Ty Okada, their Swiss Army Knife defensive back. They don't need Troy Anderson. They can just play Callahan O'Reilly and Nolan Askelson and Walker Cozy and Michael Jobman and Chad Cano, all those inside linebackers we heard all about the depth, all fall camp. Well, here's your chance. Roll those guys. See what you can do. The defensive front's going to be mean as well. I think you can't give up big plays to Cal Poly, but I do think that Kane Ione, Montana State defensive coordinator, will have a great plan. And then you talk about matchups in the league. What's the best matchup for you? What's the worst matchup for you? The Idaho State-Portland State one is a great example. The two teams that have a chance to kill Portland State with the way that their offense works against that flex defense are Northern Arizona and Idaho State because they chuck the ball down the field. Well, what's the number one defense that Montana State wants to go against? Cal Poly. because my number one offense. No, no, I'm saying Montana State's offense oh, wants oh, to go oh. against Cal Poly's defense. Right. Because Cal Poly runs what the old school coaches would call color in the hole. They're doing all sorts of line twists all the time. It screws with you all over the place if you run any sort of traditional style offense. But Montana State runs gap scheme on the offensive line. If you have a gap scheme against the color in the hole, 20 yards, 30 yards. Montana State rushed for 440 yards against Cal Poly last year. Isaiah Infante had his absolute coming out party. 227 yards, rushing three touchdowns. So I think that Montana State will have a heyday offensively as well. I'm taking the Cats to cover this thing, and I'm taking them to cover it easily. I I am going to take the Cats to cover also. Cal Poly 
has two things going for it offensively in this game. The first is the thing they have going for them in every game that they play offensively. They are the triple option team of the Big Sky Conference. They're the only one, and so it is always a major headache to do something that is so unorthodox and change. You have to you have to have a whole brand new game just for this game, just for this team, and just for this offense to try and deal with it. So they have that going for them. The other thing that they need to have going for them to have a chance in this thing is they have to have big plays. Cal Poly cannot win this football game in the brawl, okay? Which is weird to say for the team that runs the triple option because normally that's what they want to do. They want to pound you into the ground. They want to run it for two and a half yards in the first quarter, three and a half yards in the third quarter, and then five yards of rush in the second half where they just wear you out defensively. Montana State's not going to get worn out defensively in that way. They will win. They will keep Cal Poly behind the sticks. And Cal Poly simply won't be able to run enough plays to wear this team down because they will be punting the ball a lot if they try and nickel and dime it. Cal Poly has to have schemes that that make Montana State make errors. They have to. They have to be deceptive, which is the nature of the triple option in general. But they they got to they got to scheme up some wrinkles that just go to the house. Uh, and they need some. They need some fifty. 60, 70-yard run plays that go the distance because they got Montana State looking in the wrong direction. That's the only chance that they have in this game. I do think that's going to happen, but not enough. I got Montana State winning this football game, covering not just winning, but covering the spread by six. I don't. I, this could be a seven-point game. could be a 27-point game. Indeed. I still think Montana State's going to cover it. The over-under is weird because the over-under is a big number, 61, for two teams that are only going to run the football. Right, but this game was 49-42 in Bozeman totally. last year without anybody throwing it. They didn't throw any passes. What did Jeff Choate say? He goes, normally when you're down three scores in the second half, people say you can't run. He's like, well, you can if you run it for eight yards every single time that you carry the football. And if Montana State expects to do that, this is going to be a high-scoring game. I got no feel for the over-under on this, to be honest with you. I really, I, 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 I pick it because I have to because I'm told I'll be fired from the FCS Speculators podcast if I don't pick it. But I, I'll, I'll take the over, but I got I got no idea. That's a big number, 62 points. I mean, that's the thing. you gotta, you got to not let your eyes deceive you. If you take the Texas Tech game out of the equation, the Cats in consecutive weeks have scored 38, 23, 56, and 49 points. So they're over 38, three out of the last four weeks, and they've gotten 49 or more in back-to-back weeks. They're averaging 35 points per game, and that's with the Texas Tech game. Uh, included. They're averaging 41.5 points per game against FCS competition. I mean, this is a team that has been averaging high 30s to low 40s since Matt Miller took over as the offensive coordinator. And again, they still can't throw the ball, but it doesn't matter. If you're scoring that kind of points, why would you throw well, the ball? But, but again, if they score 35 or 38 points, that's a ton. Cal Poly's still got to score 30 to and, get the over on and, this and, and or 20, I, 28, I, I do think I do think that Cal Poly will score a little bit. I think yeah. they will hit some big plays. I mean, Jalen Hamler is a great player. And Dewey Trent Simpson, who's the heir apparent to Joe Prothrow, he's actually a faster version of Prothrow. He's not more powerful because who is? Joe Prothrow. I was going through Joe Prothrow's stats last night. Of course you were. Unholy. He yeah. carried the ball 363 times last year. That's like a crime. Yeah. I mean, that's 36 carries a game. That's brutal. I mean, it's hard to even believe, but no one's going to be that durable. But Dewey Trans, Trans Simpson is a good player, and he's got good speed. So, so I do think Cal Poly will score. I'm taking the over at 62. This game available on Pluto Television, SWX Montana in Billings, and ABC Television in Western Montana. 
Okay, last game of the Big Sky Conference to pick, Coulter. It is the Idaho State Bengals at Montana. It is Montana's homecoming. The Grizz, off that huge win at UC Davis, are the number eight team in the nation. They are an eight-and-a-half point favorite in this game at home. Fifty-six-and-a-half is the total on this thing. Uh, this I got a lot of thoughts on this game, but I'll let you start. There's so many times where the the student faces the teacher or the, the mentee faces the right, mentor. Right. And oftentimes it, it's a welcome experience. The the son can't wait to compete against his dad when he knows he can beat his dad. The younger brother can't wait to <laughs> brawl with his older brother when he knows he can finally beat him. This is not the case as Rob Fennessy comes to Montana to play the Grizz for the first time. There is no feasible situation in my mind where you could break this game down where Idaho State wins this game. There's no situation whatsoever unless Dalton Sneed's head falls off and the Grizz turn the ball over six times. I don't see any feasible way where Montana does not just absolutely throttle Idaho State. Idaho State's better than we think, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be a crazy blowout, but I just mean as far as dictating the tempo of this game, who is in control of this game? Idaho State's going to have a hard time ever being in control of this game because I think Bobby Huck will have his guys ready. I also think Rob Fennessey's going to have a hard time seizing the moment when he's playing against his mentor. I got Montana winning this game. I got Idaho State covering. Eight and a half points is a decently large number. And for as great as Montana has been, and they have been great, and I told you at the beginning of this thing that I'm as high on Montana right now as I have been. But we talked about this on the show, Coulter. The difference between play, between not playing well and being and not being up for a game. Montana will be up for this game. I believe they'll be up for every game they play under Bobby Houck. It does not mean you're going to play your best game every single week. They played their best game last week. They had that one circled. They had that one coming for UC Davis coming out of the whipping they took last year in Washington Grizzly to the UC Davis Aggies. And Idaho State it is better than you think, especially offensively. They're going to score some points against the Grizzly defense. And this game is going to be closer than what people think. This is a trap game for the University of Montana. I don't think it's a trap game insofar as they lose it. I do think it's a trap game insofar as they aren't as dominant as they have been here to form most of the games that they've played. So I got the Grizzlies winning this thing by a touchdown. Idaho State covering and making it a lot closer and more interesting than people think. Other than the intangible element I just described, I think from a complete matchup standpoint, what's been the number one factor that Idaho State's not been able to break through? When you look at the history of their program, just the recent history, when Mike Kramer took that job, he decided we're going to recruit quarterbacks that can play indoors and throw the ball all over the field. Kevin Yost broke the Big Sky record back-to-back seasons for attempts in a season, threw the ball 493, then 514 times. He graduates, Justin Arias comes in. What's he do? Breaks that same record two more times. Throws the ball almost 1,200 times in two years. And that trend has continued even with the Bengals phasing from Mike Kramer to Rob Fennessey. They want prolific quarterbacks. Now the difference is instead of having high attempt numbers where they're just dinking and dunking and nickel and diamond, they throw the ball down the field. And they've been really good offensively. They have been, even when Kramer was there and they were only winning two, three games. And then they had the breakthrough where they won eight games. Regardless, Idaho State's been good offensively for a, the better part of this decade. The number one thing that they've always had a problem with is on defense, and it's in the defensive secondary. They've not been able to recruit big sky caliber DBs. Period. Yeah. And when you when you want to compete with UC Davis, Eastern Washington, Montana, gotta have it. If you don't have those guys, you're gonna get killed. I don't think Idaho State has any answer. 
for Montana on the perimeter. Dalton Sneed, red hot. Back-to-back Big Sky Conference Player of the Week. He's thrown nine touchdowns over the last two weeks. Those receivers are operating at a higher level than maybe ever before in their collective history as a group. I think Montana's going to be able to absolutely score at will. I got Montana to cover this thing. Going away, I, I, again, all, all the things you say are reasonable, and I understand all of it. I think Idaho State's going to be ahead early in this football game. I think Montana State or Montana does not come out. I think they come out fine. I just think Idaho State is a really good football team, and they're going to end up being ahead early. And Montana is going to have to play from behind and maybe play with a little bit of tension. And moreover, it's just a matter of you don't play your best football game everything every single Saturday. And Dalton Sneed is back-to-back conference player of the week offensively. And you go, well, this, this dude's just rolling. And he is. And he's got great, great. He's got the best wide receiving core in the big sky, and especially when you include the tight ends in there. I mean, it's, it's, it's not close in my mind. For, for Montana. That said, you just don't go out and, and do it every single day in that way, and I think that Idaho State is going to score some points in this football game and just make it a little closer than what people think. So I don't think this is a 25-point Grizzly win. I think this is a, I think this is a seven-point Grizzly win, and, uh, and I'll, take, I'll take the Grizz to win it, but I'll take Idaho State to cover. For, I, for no other reason being – I mean, we've been the same on every single one. We're just talking each other into the same thing here. we gotta have we got to have some disagreement, Coulter, for crying out loud on the I, dang I, podcast. I gotta, tell, I gotta tell you, I feel more comfortable about this week, so much more comfortable than I did last week. Mm. I, I would I would pick almost every single one of these picks besides the Eastern Washington Sac State game as a lock. That's how confident I am in every single one of these. Mark games. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went five and two last week, and you feel better this week. I that do. either means you're going to go one and six this week, uh, or uh, seven and zero, oh, which is probably the more likely scenario. The part I feel that I agree with you on, though, is Idaho State is going to score points, and Montana's going to score more points. And so, therefore, and a half. therefore, I'm taking the over. We're both on the over on uh, 56 and a half. Okay, there you go. There's the games in the Big Sky Conference. Enjoy those. Do with what do with them what you will. It's time now to go to the phones of, with a couple of guests, the first ever guests on the FCS Speculators Betting Podcast. Uh, we are happy to have Sam Herter, first up from Hero Sports. He is uh, uh, covering the FCS nationally for Hero Sports and specifically North Dakota State, the game of the week at the FCS level, the first-ranked North Dakota State Bison at the 10th-ranked Illinois State Redbirds. So he'll talk to us about that. And after that, Josh Criswell. He's the sports editor at the Huntsville Item in Huntsville, Texas. Sam Houston State and Stephen F. Austin also playing football. We'll break down both of these matchups at the FCS level with two guys who know what's going on there. Well, happy to welcome in Sam Herter works for Hero Sports, covers the FCS nationally, and he is specifically uh, attuned to what's going on in the Missouri Valley Conference. And this week, Sam, a huge matchup between North Dakota State, the number one team in the country. They are on the road at Illinois State, NDSU, a 14.5 point favorite in this game. What do you think about when you look at this game? Not so much picking it yet, but just in general, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I, I, I really, I'm really happy that this matchup you know, starts out the Valley slate because I'm really interested in, in both teams and where they're at. I think NDSU answered a lot of off-season question marks, but we still don't know entirely, you know, everything there is about this NDSU team. And on the flip side, Illinois State is a team that is, like you said, it's ranked pretty high, but it has yet to show us really that it deserves that ranking just because, you know, a loss to an FBS team and then the three FCS wins are against, you know, probably below average teams. Illinois State's best win, it probably comes against Northern Arizona, and I would Mm. say NAU is probably a fringe playoff team. So, Illinois State, Illinois State is highly ranked, but I think this is their chance to show that, okay, this, this high uh, ranking is really deserved. 
a couple of years ago, Illinois State really got a roll and went all the way to the FCS National Championship game. Do they look the same as they did then? I know then they were running the ball prevalently. Marshawn Coppridge was an excellent running back. Are they still a run-heavy team? What's Illinois State look like just schematically? Yeah, they're, they're a pretty balanced team this year. Um, you know, back in that 2014 season, their quarterback, Trey Roberson, was you know a really good dual-threat quarterback. This year's quarterback is Brady Davis in his second year of starting. He's a Memphis transfer from a couple of years ago. He's he's not really a dual threat. He's definitely not a statue back there, but you know he's a pretty decent passer. Then they have James Robinson at running back, who's probably the one of the the top pro prospects coming out of the FCS. The the, the one worry I have with Illinois State for this game and going forward the rest of the year is their top two wide receivers are out for you know an extended period of time. I think one. One of their receivers broke their collarbone, uh, a different receiver, their number two receiver, you know, tore some ligaments in his knees. So they've prided themselves on being a balanced attack, even with a really good running back in James Robinson. Moving forward, you know, I don't know what their passing game is going to look like just because I don't know, you know, any of the other names that are going to step up. Uh, they, they're pretty unproven after these two wide receivers. So that, that's going to be the biggest question mark for me is this team wants to be well-balanced, but can they be well-balanced with, with, you know, pretty unproven receivers having to step up. Sam Herter joining us. He covers the FCS for Hero Sports. We're talking about the matchup, uh, biggest matchup in the country uh, in the uh, FCS right now, NDSU, number one in the t- in the land against 10th-ranked Idaho State. Uh, when you look at this game, Illinois State. Let me get my names right. I mean, what do I care <laughs> if it's Idaho State, it's Illinois State, right. Uh, NDSU uh, at Illinois State, uh, the 10th-ranked team in the country, 14.5-point favorite for NDSU. You already talked about some of the injury issues. What do you think? Who do you like in this uh, with the with the number on it, Sam? Yeah, I like NDSU to win. I do think 14 points might be a little high. I would probably say NDSU a 10-point victory here. I feel like it's one of those games where it's going to be kind of a, a black and blue style of game. I think Illinois State's defense is good enough to give NDSU some trouble. And I think offensively, I just don't see Illinois State scoring a whole lot of points. I don't think you can be one-dimensional against NDSU, no matter how good James Robinson is. So I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game, but I think Illinois State can keep it within, you know, seven seven to ten points heading into the fourth quarter. Um, and then, you know, from there we'll see what happens. But, but I do think NDSU, I give NDSU probably a one-and-a-half to two-possession edge here. Over-under on this thing, 46-and-a-half. It sounds low-scoring. That's not a huge number, though, either. Where do you like it uh, in, in terms of the total? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good number for, for the over-under. I would say – Stay the um, heck away you know, from it is what you're saying. Is that what I'm hearing yeah, you say? <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't be confident in either way. I, I The last I looked, it was supposed to rain in normal Illinois, so I think with that – it might be a run-heavy game, and you know it might be a pretty quick-moving game too, with with both teams running the ball and moving moving the clock. So, you know, if I had to pick, I would probably pick the under there, but I I won't I won't put too much confidence into that projection. Sam, appreciate it very much, man. Have a great one. All right, thanks, guys, for having me on. Well, we welcome in to FCS Speculators, a betting co- uh, podcast. Very happy to have Josh Criswell. He's the sports editor at the Huntsville Item in Huntsville, Texas, notably the home of Sam Houston State. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Well, very happy to have you on. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about this matchup. Sam Houston, a heavy favorite, a 15-point favorite over Stephen F. Austin uh, this week, which is which is great. We'll get to that game here in a moment. But right now, 
on the season. Sam Houston is 3-2, and two, but they're 2-0 and oh in conference coming off a 28-17 win over McNeese last week. What have, we, what have you seen in this game? Because Sam Houston is a pretty known commodity. I mean, they're perennially a good football team. What are they here in this year? Yeah, you know, they started off a little bit rocky in non-conference play, didn't pick up an FCS win, losing by one touchdown on the road at North Dakota, and then an FBS game at New Mexico to open the season. But they've come into Southland Conference play, and since league play has gotten started, they've been the hottest team in the conference. At the number two offense, number one defense, they're beating Southland Conference teams by an average of 25 a game. And then you top that off, they go on the road last week, their starting quarterback goes down. Backup Ty Brock, who started last year, comes in. Basically leads them back playing on one leg with a bad ankle and ends up turning a early seven-point deficit on the road at Nice into a double-digit win. So Bearcats have a lot of confidence. And, you know, what I'm really interested to see is how SFA stacks up against that Sam Houston State defense because Sam Houston State has two, three, maybe four guys that could play at the next level. Well, SFA is a pretty young team, has a sophomore quarterback, and as I'm sure we'll get into it, coming off a win has a little bit of momentum, but that Sam Houston State defense might be too much to handle. So when it comes to Sam Houston, just in terms of what they like to do, what style of football are they, do, do they play, and, and what is sort of their calling card? Yeah, you know, Sam Houston State, they, they like to run the, that high-powered, fast-paced offense get going with momentum. They have three running backs that they've been really rotating pretty regularly throughout. Kyron Jackson, last year's leading rusher, and then sophomore standouts to Neil Carter, a transfer from Texas, and then Donovan Williams, who's really stepped up after seeing brief playing time last year. But they like to they like to get the ball out in space. They have a ton of playmakers. A couple guys at receiver, true freshman Ife Adaye and Noah Smith, guys that they like to get out in space, get them screens, bring them around on uh, on sweet plays as well. And then you look at the quarterback and receiver position. They they love to air it out to Nathan Stewart, who just a couple weeks ago became the Southland's all-time leading receiver and with 1,000 yards this year will be one of only three players ever to hit 1,000 yards all four years. The quarterback position, though, it, it, it's going to be – you might see a different offense depending on the health situation. Starting quarterback Eric Schmidt, a lot faster guy, a lot of times the fastest player or at least you know faster than any player on the defense. He goes down with a hand injury, second drive of the game. Ty Brock comes in, and he's a mobile guy, but definitely doesn't have the speed of Schmidt. So depending on which quarterback goes out there this weekend, you might see a little bit of a different playbook. But the one thing that's going to be consistent is them trying to play with tempo, trying to cut at you away a little bit with some of those shorter routes, some of those screens, those sweeps and then try to hit that big play over the top to those big-name receivers. Josh Criswell joining us. He's the sports editor at the Huntsville Item, taking us through a little bit about Sam Houston State here in uh, the 2019 iteration of the uh, Bearcats. And this weekend, Stephen F. Austin on the docket. The uh, Sam Houston State is a 15-point favorite in this uh, football game. The over-under is 63, so they're expecting a fair number of points to be scored in this thing, but most of it going to Sam Houston. Stephen F. Austin just 1-4 and four, uh, coming into the season. They're, they are 1-1 one and one in the Southland Conference, but maybe overmatched in this one. What do you see taking place Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you, you mentioned that point spread right around 15 points, and I think – Sam Houston State, the one thing you've seen over the course of the Bearcats' current eight-game winning streak in the series is that you can kind of throw out the rankings sometimes. They've had a lot of one-score games or two-score games that were competitive until late. 
I think this year is going to be a little bit different. I think, you know, regardless of which quarterback goes out there, I like Sam Houston State's offense's chances. I mean, SFA held Lamar to 17 points in a win last week. But we also have to remember that Lamar is up there with Northwestern State competing for the title of worst team in the Southland Conference this year. Right. Four games before that, all losses. Lumberjacks given up 46.5 points per game, including a big loss to a Division II team in Tarleton State. So I, I like the Bearcats' chances to go out there and definitely cover the spread comfortably. But on the point total, I think I might take the under. With Sam Houston State's defense being as dominant as it is, I just don't see a way that SFA puts up more than 20 points in this game. And then you look at Stephen F. Austin, and their defense has started to step it up these last couple weeks. I mean, nine sacks the last three games, including two sacks from a redshirt freshman and a Huntsville kid, Ahmad Murray. So I think that they'll keep it close and maybe be a little bit more competitive on the defensive side of the ball. I just don't think SFA can put up the points to to justify putting any big money on the uh, on the over. Yeah, Sam Houston uh, holding opponents on this season to just uh, under 18 points per game, and so you know if that trend continues, you got to score a boatload on offense to get uh, to get up and over 63 on the total. Steve, uh, Sam Houston at Stephen F. Austin uh, on at two o'clock. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, that game on ESPN Plus, if you're looking for it, uh, out there in the world. Josh Criswell, the sports editor of the Huntsville Item, joining us. Josh, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for the insight. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Coulter, well, we heard what the fellas had to say about it. Let's hear what you have to say about it. North Dakota State, minus 14.5 at Illinois State. Who do you like? The Missouri Valley across the board has been interesting because North Dakota State's actually the only team that's really played a premier game when they played UC Davis, with the exception of the FBS opponents that they've played. Right. Unproven to me, if you're, I mean, basically, Youngstown State, Illinois State, South Dakota State have all racked up three or four wins so far this year against teams that they absolutely no doubt should have beat. So I don't know what to think of Illinois State. I do know what to think of NDSU. I'm picking NDSU to cover the spread. You are until you aren't. Give me the Bison as well. Uh, over under forty six and a half. I got no good feeling about this thing. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take the over. I'm with taking that. the over because North Dakota State. Everybody thinks of running the ball and stopping the run and defense. It's like Jeff Choate said. They've been averaging forty two points per game for ten years. <laughs> right. They give up seventeen, <laughs> but they beat you forty two seventeen almost yeah. every single time out. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, a 15-point favorite, uh, excuse me, a 15-point underdog to Sam Houston State. Uh, Stephen F. Austin a, has won one game in, in the season this year, and I realize, you know, it's early in the non-conference and all that. Sam Houston, perennially pretty good, uh, and I, I like Sam Houston State uh, uh, to, uh, to win this game and to cover that 15-point number, even though it is a big number. Rivalry game, Sam Houston State's always good at home. Sam Houston State was in the top 25 earlier on in the year before they lost to North Dakota. They always have great skill talent. This game's been played at the Texans Stadium for several years, and they usually get a pretty darn good crowd for it. I think the battle of the bands will be the best battle yes. in this game, and I, like I think that, that uh, Sam Houston State are, will win this thing uh, in the rivalry game. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm taking Sam Houston State straight up. Sam Houston State to cover the minus 15. Okay, Coulter, last game. Merrimack, Bryant. Merrimack, their first season in the FCS. They're a seven-point favorite over Bryant. Bryant played Montana State a couple of years ago. They were uh, way overmatched. They're, you know, like a premier Northeast kind of uh, educational institution. The, we, pit, we put one game on here that we absolutely have no clue about. 
I'm taking Bryant. Give me the Bears. Aren't they the Bears? Give me the Bears to go ahead and cover up the seven-point deficit on the road of Merrimack. They're actually the uh, the Bulldogs. Oh. Uh, but that changes nothing. You were close. Uh, I can't remember if I was – I wasn't doing this show yet, but I had Brian's head coach on my Big Sky Breakdown podcast, their former head coach, that is, and uh, he was quite the salesman. He was saying all sorts of funny stuff about his team's trip to Montana and uh, – just because of that, just because I have fond memories of that interview, I'm taking the Bryant Bulldogs as well. Okay, there's your FCS picks against the spread. It's time for rapid fire FBS. Coulter, SEC, number seven, Auburn, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Florida. It is the site of game day this week in Gamesville. The Florida Gators, the number 10 team in the country, a top 10 matchup. Who you got? You know me, man. I watch football from the lines out, and I thought that Auburn's defensive line was the best defensive line I've seen in the in the FBS so far this year. thought they went absolutely toe-to-toe with Oregon's offensive line, which is touted as the best in college football. And I'm going to pick Auburn and pretty much throughout the entire month of October if that's on the docket. I got Auburn to win that thing. Florida's uh, starting quarterback goes down. I think that's a big loss for them, but it's in Florida. I mean, I think they're going to be up for this one in Gainesville, and Florida's defense is the real-time deal. Probably five first-round draft picks on that. Or five draft picks, I should say, on that uh, Florida defense. Home dog, give me the Gators uh, to uh, cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. I'd feel a lot better if it was three, but it's not, so we'll deal with that. 130 Mountain on CBS television. The number 6 Oklahoma Sooners, a 32-point favorite against Les Miles. Kansas Jayhawks on the road in Kansas. Give me Kansas. What the heck? 32 points? Let's go. Let's nah, go, Jayhawks. Nah, Rock nah, shot, nah, Jayhawks. No, no, no. Lincoln Riley's going to score 70 on everybody until further notice. Jalen Hurts, he can't throw. All he does is run. No, nah, he averaged like 40 yards complete per completion in the first half last week. I think he had four touchdown passes on six completions before halftime. Jalen Hurts, real deal Heisman Trophy candidate. I got the Sooners. 10 a.m. Mountain ABC Television. Last one, Pac-12, Cal. On the road at Autzen Stadium against number 13, Oregon. Oregon, a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow. Herbert versus Devin Modster. What do we got here, Coulter? Well, Cal, big letdown after last week after breaking into the top yep. 20, and then they go and lose at Arizona State. Can't handle success. I was watching that game, too, and I just wasn't impressed with a lot of the guys that I saw. I was sitting there thinking, man, some of these guys are better than the guys in the big sky, but some of them aren't. I didn't think that when I watched Oregon. I thought all the guys that Oregon had were better than the guys in the big sky. I think the Ducks will cover that one with ease as well. I'm picking Oregon to cover the spread. I got Cal covering the spread. They're going to jump back up there and give the Oregon Ducks a fight. I think the Ducks are good. I don't think they're great. Primetime on Fox, 6 o'clock Mountain Time uh, for Cal, Oregon. Give me the Bears to cover 17.5. Boys and girls, this has been... Episode 2 of the FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll hit you again next week. Finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear 
at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.